Welcome to another episode of the Self Storage Insight Podcast. I'm Ben Shirey, and today I'm joined by Powell Chi with Radiant Storage. Uh, Powell was one of the managing partners there, and so he's uh, going to meet with us today, talk to us a little bit about how he got started in the industry, uh, and some just some insightful conversation here with him. So really looking forward to it. Uh, Powell, if you don't mind giving us a little bit of your background, uh, kind of where you came from, how you got into storage, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ben. Thank you so much. And, and thank you so much for uh, having me on your show as well. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, so just to uh, kind of rewind, a few, uh, I guess, a few years, I was in uh, corporate sales was my W2 job. So I was for a decade, I've been in corporate sales for some Fortune uh, Fortune 500 companies. And um, at the time, I was doing pretty well. And I decided like, hey, I want to move some of this money not really keeping a stock market, but put it in something else. And and, and real estate really was uh, my solution. And my dad had uh, been involved in real estate and wanted us to buy some real estate. And um, I, I live in Southern California, although I'm from Northern California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. I just didn't really understand how you could really buy houses at, at that point and like how this was all going to work. Right. Um, and around 2015 is when I... Um, realized that you could buy um you could buy residential real estate and not have to live in the same uh geographic location so i ended up buying my first first house in 2015 um really quickly from there i said you know what i'm going to scale this up because it's not going going to go fast enough so i started buying multifamily i started getting involved in apartments um did that uh and was able to uh, become general partner on five different syndications and seven different properties. So um, have like a thousand over 1100 units in multifamily, but since then a bunch of them have sold. But when COVID came around, I decided that I would uh, choose another asset class, not necessarily to go hundred percent, but add another asset class to my portfolio. And right. so that asset class ended up being self-storage. And I thought, oh, this is great. Sounds great. Everything that I hear on podcasts as well as read about it sounds great. But until we actually buy one, we don't really know. So I ended up buying my very first one in, in uh, 2021, January 2021. Um, since then, ramped it up, felt it was very great. Um, look, and thought I could bring in some of my multifamily investors into, into self-storage. And so since then, we now have 16 properties under the Radiant Storage brand. Um, it's like 650,000 square feet and uh, awesome. over 5,000 units. Uh, yeah. Right. Now, so are they are they pretty standard in the size? So when you're looking to purchase an additional facility, for example, I mean, you bought you know five a year or however that however that ramped up. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you look for a specific size of a facility as you're in that kind of uh, building phase for your for your business? Yeah, I, I would tell you that the way that I've done it and the way that I've almost always done it is that I really size out my investors first. So I get an idea of how much money can I invest in the deal, right? How okay. much money is going to come? Uh, how much equity do I have as well as my investors? How much are they prepared to invest? That gives me a better idea of what I can invest in. So okay. I'm not going to look at a a huge portfolio that is, is far outside of what I think I can raise as capital or that I can bring in as capital. Uh, I'm going to look for something that I feel is like within our sweet spot. So okay. that, now that has changed over time, right? My very right. first property, that was a very small property that I just said, I'm just going to ask like seven friends and family. And then six of them said, yes, I'm in. Because I was okay. like, hey, this is a new asset class. I just want to let you know it's a new asset class. I haven't done any self-storage yet. I've done multifamily. 
but I think this is really great. This, these, are, these are the reasons why I think it would be great. Is anybody interested? And six out of the seven people said yes. So I we went and bought a property, smaller one. Those aren't really the size that I look for anymore. Uh, but that's that's what like my your foot in the was. door, kind of. Yeah, just yeah, and, testing the waters exactly. Yeah. And sure. understand how much equity we had, so that I could go buy a property around that's that would fit that problem. Now I have you know more investors and more investors that are interested in what I'm doing, so I can bring a go buy a, a lot larger facility or a portfolio. Right. Awesome, yeah, very interesting. And and so talk to me a little bit, if you will. Uh, you work with copper storage management with remote mm-hmm. unmanned facilities, correct? As far as they do the. A management service for you guys manage your properties. How how has that kind of changed your the way you scale your business, or how has that made you more efficient in in growing the business? Yeah, I mean our relationship um, at Radiant Storage with the Copper team is is fantastic, um, and they do manage everything remotely. Um, so they, we've I don't know we've we've been in contact with them since we started, like even before okay. we started, right? You know, so it was a lot of hey help us like these are what we this is what we think when we underwrite this deal you guys are in the you guys have been running these properties you guys know self storage more than we do so tell us what do you think about this facility you know what, what are our numbers like are our numbers um something that um is like accurate or not are we way out of the you know just not even close right so we've been asking them for guidance for a long time we've been um ever since we started with them they've they've been a part of our our uh, property management team and helped us throughout this whole time and so yeah okay. it's been great awesome and yeah and that adds a little bit of a peace of mind i think too as you're getting ready to you know venture into this new asset class uh you know just to have somebody that has been there or has a little bit more knowledge on the on the industry than you do coming into it uh yeah that's awesome I'm, yeah absolutely absolutely so, so uh, you've just been in the industry a few years uh, i was just kind of curious as far as investing in the industry and that sort of thing, how have you already seen the industry change over the last, you know, two to three years? Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's rapidly making changes through COVID and through, you know, all the different shifts in the market and the economy. Uh, you know, what's mm-hmm. been kind of your experience with that? Yeah. So there's a number of different ways that it has changed and and we've seen it and we continue to go through it and we're going through other changes like, like currently. Right. So when we first got in, we got in, um, I would say, you know, in the middle of COVID uh, when we got in and, and started doing uh, storage. So a lot of this was, okay, um, seeing how the market was before that and what the industry was like before that was the industry was moving towards remote management, but slowly, right? Slowly moving okay. towards remote management. Now it's picked up a lot of steam because with COVID, every business was trying to figure out how can we run this as unmanned or as little manned as possible, right? You know, like right. restaurants and QR codes and whatever, you know, like, you know, drive drive up options, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So everybody was trying to figure out how to do this. Well, that was our play from the beginning was to run, run in these remotely. So okay. uh, the, it was, it just fit what we were going to do anyway, but um, the industry has accelerated in that way. And, you know, just customers were just much more inclined to, uh, be okay with, Hey, they don't have anybody in the office. I can just do this on my phone. I could just do this over a, a phone call. Uh, it's much, and, and I'm okay with that. And I don't, I don't really need somebody to show me where my unit is. So just a lot more acceptance from the, uh, from the consumers and, in the industry, uh, with remote management. And I would say also that, um, the industry has changed a lot in terms of the investor side as well. Um, even though we've just been in for a couple of years, 
uh, a couple of years ago, the investor interest was not as strong as it is now. Now right. the investor interest is stronger, right? And so there are more people, there's more interest out there. There's, uh, you know, there's bleed over from other asset classes. You take like office, which has kind of been decimated. You take multifamily, which is super hot and very competitive. And a, a lot of that bleed off goes into where? Well, it goes into a bunch of asset classes. And then a bunch of people think, oh, well, how did storage do during a recession? Well, and they look at kind of the historicals and they say, well, if we're heading towards any type of recession, I might like be interested in storage. So now more and more people right. are interested in storage. So yes, uh, the, the investor interest has has gained a lot of momentum. And I'll tell you, uh, uh, probably a third way that things have changed since uh, just in the last few years is that we were in peak times, like like accelerated peak times in COVID uh, in terms of occupancy, in terms of rates. And uh, everything was just like storage is just doing incredibly well during during. Um, uh, COVID. However, that is not sustainable. That was not sustainable. Now people are like, okay, not everybody is staying home all the time, hunkered down, right? People have, okay, going back to school, people are going back to work. People, I don't need, um, you know, like, I don't, my house isn't as cramped as it was before, right? I, I yeah. Now I don't need that storage unit. So there has been a, a slower decline coming back to like what were more um, standard uh, levels of occupancy and rates uh, pre-COVID. So sure. that's a, uh, that is another thing that I see uh, that's happening uh, right yeah. now, I guess the third way. Right. And and then also with that, yeah, the, like the stimulus money, everybody had a bunch of extra mm -hmm. influx in cash all of a sudden, didn't know what to do with mm -hmm. it. So they bought a bunch of stuff they didn't need. <laughs> yeah. Right. Bought a bunch of stuff. And that's and it's that's like, good okay, for business though, it. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. exactly. Right. So, exactly. So with, with that kind of being where the industry's come through the last few years, what, what do you think that it's going to look like, you know, in three to five years, does it continue to go more towards the remote managed facilities or, you know, mm -hmm. does that kind of slow down or what do you kind of see the future holding in the next couple of years for that? Um, for the remote managed, I think that's going to accelerate. So I think that we're just still on the very early stages of that. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of companies are in the traditional path, which is, Hey, you have somebody in the office and you have somebody there in the office while your office is open, while your facility is open. Um, companies are still doing that. Um, but there is more of a, a move towards remote and some of it's going like a step in between, like a hybrid step. So there's somebody there, but they're not, they don't have certain hours. And so when they're not there, they have a call center that takes over at that, that particular time. So that you don't need that one person there all the time. You might have a person who rotates uh, among different facilities. So okay. there's kind of a, a gradual movement, but there's also some companies that are just a little bit more like us that are saying, I don't want to go gradual. I would just go straight to right. manage and that's what I want to do. So I yeah. think that's going to be the wave of the future. Um, and, okay. and it's, I think it's going to happen all over the place. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I think too, as I'm, as I'm looking at it from a business perspective and investment perspective, right. <laughs> as I look at scale, how fast can I scale if I don't have to hire employees or I don't have to manage employees that are running these facilities? So how much, how much mm -hmm. did that kind of play into as you invest in a new property, you have somebody that's kind of managing that whole side of the business for you, where you're just looking for investments. Does that kind of play into the way that you scale the business? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a big part of it because, you know, there, when you're dealing with people, you now you got to have handbooks, uh, SOPs, and you got to have training, you got to have hiring. Right. What happens if, you know, you, you hire one person, but 
But if that person doesn't show up, they're sick or whatever. They, they can't show up for the next couple of days, whatever. It's like, is my facility closed? You know, it's like, well, all of a sudden it's going to be closed because that person's not there. Now, do I have right. to hire two people to be there? You know, now a manager and somebody that's, that's a lot of payroll costs. You know, for overlap. sure. So yeah. it's, um, you get into all these kind of issues. Not only that, you got, you got your payroll taxes and you got all kinds of other things that you have to pay, you know, employees. And they also, you know, there's ancillary things that, they bring to the table. So there's things that they can do that a remote managed facility. Uh, we, I'd say we struggle with. So give an example, we don't sell boxes or tape or uh, bubble wrap, things like right. that. So we don't, we don't really have those merchandise sales. So we don't have that income, but we don't, don't have the person in the office to, you know, uh, for that cost either. So, um, right, a yeah, bit of so a there's trade-off. kind of trade-offs, Yeah, a little right. bit of trade-offs. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so, so as far as, yeah, over the past few years uh, with purchasing these, you know, 16 facilities, what has been kind of your biggest takeaway maybe from investing in, in buying facilities and do you wish you would have done it sooner versus, you know, how do you, how do you kind of feel? What's your takeaway from that? Yeah. I mean, well, the first takeaway was a very, very tangible takeaway. So about a year ago, I was, um, was when I stepped out of my W2 was when I said, okay, I'm going to do this full time. So I got to the point where the business was taken off and we were buying a lot of properties, but you know, I, I still did have a W2 and it was, it was very difficult to do both. And right. I had to have a, uh, a meeting with my wife and to talk about like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is what's happening. I got to yeah. make a choice either way. I can't big decision. do yeah. what I'm doing anymore. It's, it's just burning the candle at both ends and staying up too late. And, and it's really hard to uh, concentrate. Um, so that was the biggest tangible uh, difference that, that I felt is that, um, was able to, you know, basically retire from the W two from the corporate world and focus on doing this full time, and um, and and that's and that's been great, and it's something that tangible I can feel. I know it's different every day, and you know, people around me, my wife, and everything see the difference as well. Right. Awesome. Yeah. And and then mm-hmm. kind of just the correlation maybe between the multifamily ventures versus the self storage facilities. Uh, what do you like about the multifamily more than the self-storage or the self-storage more than the multifamily or are they not relatable mm-hmm. at all? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely relatable. And I, and I have this conversation all the time with, uh, with my investors because so many of them are like me, they come from the multifamily world. Right. And so they're ex- exposed to the multifamily, understand multifamily, didn't understand self-storage. And so what is the difference? So they're always asking me like, what's the difference yeah. or, you know, why do you like it? Or what do you don't like? Well, I'll tell you the big advantage that you have in multifamily is there's a lot more of them, right? I mean, there are right. millions of, uh, you know, multifamily properties from five units to, you know, whatever, 300, 300 units. There's so many of them across the United States, right? I just, there's a bunch. Now, there's also a lot of competition. There's a lot more people involved and a lot more people buying. And it's a lot of the institutional buyers out there for those, you know, say 100 units and more. Um, but uh, that is a big advantage that you, you can just, buy them all over the place, um, you know, in, in any city. Uh, the other advantage that they have is they have a sort of a uniform um, lending system, right? The Fannie Mae, yeah. Freddie Mac, uh, you know, agency debt is uh, kind of the path that you're, that you're always trying to get to in multifamily when it comes to the lending. And right. that is, um, that is good and bad. I mean, it's an advantage because everybody knows it and everybody's shooting for it. And, and you know what you, what you're trying to get in storage, there isn't, there is no Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. So everything is, it's a lot more wild, wild west. It's more like, okay, this bank wants this, but this, this credit union wants that. 
this this uh, life insurance company wants something else. And this and so now you're it's not just like one clear path of okay, this is what we're all trying to use as a template to get to. It's like, well, they have a bunch of different options. Some of them are great. Some of them are like, oh, this is your option is terrible. So and then you're right. like, you guys don't don't like storage, I guess. That's what I that's what I always say is all like <laughs> I, you guys just don't like storage. That's fine. I'm, I'm not gonna get somebody else. Um but yeah, those that uh, is a major difference as the lending okay. side. I would say that also, you know, when you just think about it in, in residential, you're dealing with people, right? You're dealing with people and whether the people are good or bad, they break stuff, they wear, they have, you know, they cause wear and tear, um, um, you know, so you have a lot more wear and tear on your property. You know, your, your carpet is worn to your, your toilet, uh, Right. faucets, you know, garbage disposals, they all break and they all have issues a, a lot, you know, for sure. But storage is obviously, you know, your couch isn't less. causing wear and tear by just sitting <laughs> there. Right. You know, so, you know, right. these, and there's not that many mechanical, um, you know, equipment in, inside of storage. It's like, you got a door that moves up and down. Right. Besides that, you got walls, right. A little less, a other... little less stuff to maintain for sure. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. A lot less. And so that's, that's, uh, so that's a big advantage with with um, storage. For sure. Hey, one one question I had for you too was, are most of the facilities that you purchase, are they already occupied or they're already pretty close to full occupancy? Or have you got into any facilities where they were really low ocup occupancy and you had to do like a lease up phase? And mm -hmm. how did that look for you? Did you do a lot of marketing, that sort of thing? I was just kind of curious on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would tell you that there, there's... Um... Uh, when we look for, uh, we're, we're value-add investors. So we're looking for value-add properties, right? Um, and these these value-add properties generally are going to fall into one of four different ways of value of adding value. So those ways are low occupancy, like you mentioned, low rent, say low rent compared to the market, um, uh, expansion possibilities. So, you know, can we add some, you know, we got some land next door. What can we do with that land? Right. Um, as well as the last part is like operational inefficiencies. So what ways can we cut expenses? Right. Okay. Um, those are the four areas that we're looking for in any combination of those four. So low occupancy has definitely been on, um, is definitely one of the value adds that we see. So we've taken over several properties that have low occupancy and I'm talking anywhere from 55% uh, there, that was one. It was fifty-five percent occupied. We took over another one. was it was sixty. Another one was sixty-five. Our very first one was sixty-five. So just okay. our very first deal was sixty-five yeah. percent occupied. Um, and we've taken over, yeah, other ones that are you know all over that range. You know, seventy. We've taken over ones that are ninety-five, ninety-eight percent occupied. So it's the whole range of that. Right. Um, I will tell you this though. What well, I don't know if you want a real quick story, but um, yeah, for there's sure. uh, yeah. when I was. When we were buying this property and we were buying, we're saying, hey, we're value-add investors. We are multi previously multifamily investors. I'm talking about my very first one, 65% occupied. Mm -hmm. um, we we did bring it to several different lenders and we were told like, um, you guys shouldn't do this deal. Like you shouldn't uh, do this because you don't have any experience in self-storage and you should take, you should buy a, I was, the advice was I was given was, why don't you buy a stabilized property and then run it for like five years and then sell it. And then after you gain some experience, then go buy a property like this. And, okay. and I was like, that's terrible uh, advice. And so I was like, we're just <laughs> not going to use you as a lender. So I was like, okay, we, we're not going to use you as a lender. That's terrible advice. Um, right. So I just thought it was kind of funny, but yeah, um, yeah since then, you know, the property's doing really well. I mean, it's, it's like 80, 85% occupied right now. And it took about okay. a year and a half to get, to get to that point.
Okay. Nice. Now, have you found like one lender that you specifically try to use for properties or do you just go with somebody in the vicinity of the property you're looking to purchase? So, um, I, we have found a lender that we try to go, but we haven't found any lender that actually will go to every one of our facilities. So okay. uh, we have, we have experience with, um, we have experience with uh, credit unions. We have experience with CMBS, um, right? CMBS lenders. We have right. another loan out with uh, regional banks. Um, we have one with private lenders. We have a couple with private lenders. Um, and then we've had some with seller financing. So we've had okay. sort of this whole range of different types of lenders. Um, right. uh, and, uh, and you know, like, like I said, that's it's kind of like storage. It's like the wild, wild west. You know, like there's some people that love it. Um, as far as lenders, but that doesn't mean that they're going to go to everywhere in the United States. Maybe they stay in Texas or Louisiana or wherever, right. um, but they won't go to other, other States. So, okay. That's... Yeah. I just thought I was kind of curious on it as far as I know you're covering multiple States and stuff with your kind of geographic location. So just kind of mm -hmm. interesting there. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, one, one question I do like to ask too, uh, before, before we wrap it up is kind of, have you had any wild horror stories of tenants that you know, stuck out in your mind, uh, kind of just, you know, mm. if it's, is there anything like that that sticks out in your mind? One terrible tenant that you've had over the years? Um, well, we've had to auction off a lot of tenants. I mean, this is a part of the process is that when, when tenants stop paying that we have to auction off. Um, right. I would say one of the more, some of the more memorable ones, um, were really like some of the tenants leave, um, they leave some pretty valuable things in inside of those those units, right? Now we as right. a, the owners, we're not we don't get it, right? We don't keep it, but yeah. I've seen pictures of what is going to auction, and there's some like nice vehicles inside there, and oh, wow. these vehicles are like they're basically going to get towed away because they can't we can't really auction them for the for the auction process, but we right. end up towing getting a tow truck company to, to pull these uh, vehicles out of there. But when I when I look at them, I'm like. That vehicle is worth a lot more than, uh, you know, I mean, the people red. will buy that vehicle for uh, like a good amount, you know, I mean, and so it's just surprising that just, you know, they're going to let it go. And yeah. the other things I've seen, I, I've taken over properties and sometimes I go through the rent roll just to see how long people have been there. Mm -hmm. And one of the properties that I took over was built in 1985, I think 86. And there was, there was at least 10 people that were that had been there since like 1988. So there's 86, 87, 88. So like at least 10 people that had been there that whole time. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay, that's good tenants. I guess they're, yeah. they're, 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 they don't, I don't think they're going to move. So, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. That's the kind you'd like mm -hmm. to find and just fill up your facility with. huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. For exactly. Sure. Wish I could find more of those. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, Hey, if, if I had one quick, one, one last question I can ask you, if I was getting ready to invest in self-storage, what would one piece of advice be if you have one kind of nugget that you would give me? Uh, what's the one thing that you would tell somebody new to getting started with, you know, investing in self-storage that you've kind of learned through your, through your experience? Mm -hmm. I would say the one thing that you, I, I wish, there, I wish there was one thing that that's the only one thing that you had to do, but really if I was just to point at one thing is that you need to be around more people that are doing what you're doing. So that means you need to be attending meetups, listening to podcasts like yours, Ben, uh, listening to or you know reading forums, whatever it is that is going to get you around the people that are doing what you what you want to be doing. Okay, right. and then that will provide you hopefully with education as well as um, some inspiration of what what's possible out there and what you can do. 
Okay. And, awesome. and potentially if you can form a relationship with, with any of these people, then maybe they can even help you uh, get into right. deals and, and, and find deals for yourself. So I would say that's probably the one thing, but there are many things that can, that can, for sure. Uh, a new person, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But no, that's a great piece of advice. And yeah, very, very insightful. I, I think sometimes you yeah, people would just overlook that as an option. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. as, as I've been, in, I've been involved in some different businesses and it always seems like, you know, you're competitors with whoever you're across town from, or, you know, mm-hmm. you're, everybody's competing for some, for something. Right. And so yeah. in, in the self-storage industry though, it seems like people are a lot more open to those kind of conversations and kind of providing insight on, you know, their experience and that sort of thing. So even finding somebody mm-hmm. locally, just, you know, as far as a, a mentor or something, that's a great piece of advice. Yeah, absolutely. Then they're out there, right? You can attend all these meetings and meetups or whatever, and then you can find those people that are, that will help you out. For sure. Sure. Awesome. Well, Hey, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's been awesome talking to you and I uh, appreciate having thank you on the show. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. And could I, you mind if I just give out contact info if anybody wants to reach oh, out? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, if you don't mind, provide your contact info for those of you who are I, Instagram is probably the best way to to get a hold of me. So if you're on Instagram, it's just my first name Powell P O W E L L dot. My last name is Chi C H E E two E's. So if you just search for me at Powell dot Chi, I'll come up on Instagram. You can just um, send me a DM there. If you DM me the word radiant. Um, I'll also provide you just a, a, like a, a few resources. Like if you're interested in setting up a call, we can set up a call. Or if you're just interested in finding out what type of deals that I have, um, that they're there as well. And then if you're not on Instagram, um, you can always reach out to me at Powell at Radiant We, Radiant uh, com. So that, that's my email address. Awesome. And yeah, I even saw some stuff that you have on LinkedIn as well. I was, I was actually watching mm-hmm. your video that you did about uh, roll up. Right. So mm-hmm. I, okay. I was going to kind of ask you about it a little bit. Didn't get a chance to there, uh, but maybe okay. at some point we can talk about it a little bit, yeah. but I thought it was very interesting uh, that that strategy going into uh, going into that. So yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. We'll, we'll do it another time. This podcast episode was brought to you by CC storage. CC storage is a property management software that helps you pass the fees of credit card processing onto your customers. So you don't pay credit card processing fees ever again. If you enjoyed the podcast, There's a link below where you can fill out a form and be interviewed on the podcast with myself. If that interests you, please click the link below and we'll be in touch. We hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Don't forget to check back next week for another interview with another self-storage property owner.